0: Welcome back to another episode of the Breaking Western Podcast. We are in season four. Oh, we that was it, really I nice. Nailed we nailed it. it. Season four, going for broke. What it means to be a mindful consumer, where you're putting your dollar bills, y'all. Dollar,
1: dollar
0: bills. <laughs> Abby, who are we talking to today?
1: <laughs> well, we have someone who makes some of the coolest Western wear in the biz, in, in my humble opinion. Um, we have a Siri Gessner from Juice Fox Mama. Box
2: Mama. Juice Box
1: Mama. <laughs> I think the theme of today's
0: episode is like singing. singing. <laughs> um,
1: which makes sense. I love it. Well, Sari, I feel like you do a lot of really amazing garments for singers and performers, mm-hmm. but you also make just rad wear for, you know, anyone who comes your way and really some of the coolest custom stuff I've seen in a minute. So I'm super stoked to be talking to her.
2: I'm awesome. <laughs> I feel like I'm glad to be so talking along. to you here as well.
0: Oh, oh, thank you. Well, how are you today? <laughs> how is it in Nashville?
2: It's good. It's a little bit rainy, but you know, can't complain. <laughs> a nice crisp <Christmas> fall day.
0: <laughs> I love that. I think it's the Midwesterner in all of us that wants to talk about the weather first things first. Like, hey, <laughs> <laughs> did, when's the last time y'all got rain? <laughs> yeah, like I where feel you that. are right now. <laughs> And, Sarah, we were just talking before we pressed uh, the scary record button that you're from, what is it, Rockford, Illinois? Yes, I am. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. Which,
1: I'm not going to lie, every time, even though I grew up not far from Rockford, every time I think about Rockford, I think about the Rockford Peaches, like the the baseball or softball team.
2: Um, yeah, definitely. Remember...
1: <laughs> yeah. Okay, I'm glad you're a
2: Sometimes yeah no i sometimes. definitely think of the rockford peaches like from a league of their own but they're yes. definitely a real team as well which is cool. yes. and then uh cheap trick the band is from rockford as well those are two whoa. claims to fame whoa to
1: fame. more you know well
2: and then of course <laughs> jukebox mama which
0: <laughs> mama. if it's not already on a sign it will be
1: you know this is a quick aside <laughs> but a fun fact i learned about the quad cities just today is that um doc Holliday's common law life Migrated to Davenport from Hungary.
0: This is not a real story. Wow. They call her like Big Nose Kate.
1: This is real. (laughs) She was. She was orphaned here in Davenport, ran away. She just like hopped on a train, went down to St. Louis where she met him. And then they like ran off somewhere, and she was sighted. Maybe I think in St. Louis, she became a prostitute there, and that's how they Good met. Good for her. Yeah. Wow. And wow. Then she was there at the shootout at the OK Corral and everything. So, wow. The more you know. Well, speaking yeah. of
0: Doc Holiday and Western can we start this interview now?
1: Welcome.
0: <laughs> All right, Terry, back to you. Let's start this off with um, like what you do and how did you get started in doing that.
2: Yeah, so I'm the designer and maker behind Jukebox Mama. It's kind of a one-woman show. I do everything that needs to be done around here, and I make custom western wear using traditional tailoring techniques that bring together the style and construction of classic western wear with a bit of a modern twist. Oh my God! What an um, elevator
0: pitch! That was amazing. Perfect.
2: I'm <laughs> that was so concise. Thanks.
0: Whoa! <laughs> You've done
1: this before? No
0: kidding! No kidding. So how did you want to get started in that? Or how do you even learn something that obviously is way older than you are? Did you have like a person that got you inspired into this or how did this start?
2: Um, Somewhat. I guess it's kind of a long story because I've been sewing for most of my life. My grandma taught me when I was really young and then just kind of experimented with it in high school, sewed my own clothes, and then I studied costume design in college And then since then, I've just been working as a seamstress in various settings. But then when I moved to Austin, Texas several years ago, I fell in love with going dancing at Honky Tonks and Western swing music and just the whole vibe of everything there. And I started getting into the, like, 1940s and 1950s Western wear fashions especially. And I started doing hand embroidery. But then once I found out about chain stitch machines, it all just kind of came together and yeah I got my chain stitch machine in about April of 2018 and after a lot of setup and practice and troubleshooting the machine and everything then I made my first embroidered western shirt in May of 2018 so it's weird to think about it it hasn't actually been that long ago wow
1: so once you started yeah. you really just hit the ground running
2: yeah yeah. But I mean, that was with a lot of sewing experience. So I just kind of like plugged all of that into Western wear. Mm,
1: incredible. Was there yeah. a moment when you saw somebody like wearing a specific Western garment or like, when you were out at the honky tonks that you thought, yes, Western wear, I'm <laughs> going to start doing this?
2: Yeah, actually, I think I, I first started studying like HVRC shirts because you can find them a little bit more easily, you know when you're like vintage hunting at least that was my experience in Texas and I remember going up to a friend who is a swing dancer and I was in the swing dance scene there as well and he was wearing a western shirt and I was like is that an h by c (laughs) (laughs) and I don't think it was but he was impressed anyways and then yeah that's kind of what it just snowballed from there (laughs) so
1: you were studying the actual garments like you had a physical garment and we're looking at the construction and make of those
2: yeah, yeah, I'd say so. And then I have some vintage patterns as well. And the first one I made was from a vintage pattern, like from the 50s. So very cool. yeah, if I have a pattern, I can sew pretty much anything.
0: I'm so jealous. Also, I love that it was a man first that inspired this, not just like some cute little girl at the honky tonk, like this was a men's shirt. I think that's iconic.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's fun. I mean, I like to do both men's wear and women's wear. And a lot of times I focus more on the women's wear just because, like, it's kind of fun and I can, like, try it on as a sample and see how it fits. But, you know, I, I really can't decide, you know. And so I don't. I just do both, really. But
1: yeah. I think that's something I've always respected about Western wear or just, like, the Western clothing history is that men's wear traditionally has always been just as ornate and flamboyant as women's. Like, there's not a huge differentiation between the two.
2: Yeah, I love that about it, too.
1: Super cool. So I'm curious, too, where does the name Jukebox Mama come from? I was also wondering that.
2: Um, well, it's I was kind of just, like, going through songs. And then um, there's two songs, actually, called Jukebox Mama. One of them is a Link Ray song. And I really love Link Ray, like surf rock guitar and stuff. But then this is actually from like his later, one of his later albums. Once he was getting into like swamp pop, I guess is what you call it. But it's just a cute song, and I just feel like um, Jukebox Mama kind of, to me, is like kind of like a honky tonk angel in a way, but not exactly. Like just when you hear your song come on, and you just have to be out on the dance floor, <laughs> and that just really resonates with me. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> That's kind of where this name came from.
0: We are really sentimental to grandmas around here. Mm-hmm. Abby got her start sewing through her grandma. I got started in music because of my grandma. So I have to know, did your grandma also swing dance? <laughs> um,
2: well, one one of them did. Ah, My yes. grandma who, not not the same one who taught me how to sew, but yes, my other grandma did. And, and she and I would, would dance around the house a little bit once. Once oh. I learned how so <laughs>
0: <laughs> wow my, my heart. heart.
2: <laughs> yeah. but did you
0: but
2: up? Oh go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say I'm also very sentimental about about grandmas and in my workspace I have uh, my two grandmas and one great grandma that these great photos of them framed above my workspace so they kind of just like watch over what I do and stuff.
1: Oh, my oh, wow. gosh. So sure my grandma uh, in my workspace as well with like, a little frame that she painted and made herself after her first communion.
2: So cute. Oh, that's so cool. Like I love that.
1: sticks and um, thread.
2: <laughs>
0: that's really cute. I honestly had no idea she made that. I thought you did as a child. <laughs> that's. The, I just learned something new tonight. No, no I didn't. <laughs> <like that. laughs> so you got inspired. You're doing this. You're exploring garments at the club, as you do. Um, When did this start turning into a business?
2: Well, in 2019, really right at the beginning, my boyfriend and I moved to Nashville for for work for both of us. But, um, yeah, at that time, I started apprenticing with Manuel Cuevas, the legendary uh Western wear designer who worked with me in the past. I know, casual. I kind of buried the lead on that one. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I apprenticed with him for about three months or so, but I was kind of like simultaneously doing my own thing. So it was like kind of part-time. But then I just kind of got busy with my own stuff and went from there. But I would say um I was doing kind of part-time Jukebox Mama and part-time working with other designers until – July of 2020, actually. So it's been wow. a year and a little bit of me just doing full-time Jukebox Mama. Wow. Okay. I'm not
1: going to lie. Angela and I were just like blankly staring at each other. We have to go back.
2: We have to uh, rewind a minute.
1: A moment. Um,
0: How did you get a internship, apprenticeship with Manuel? Like what? Well, uh,
2: my friend Maria, she is a Western wear designer as well, of North Country Maiden, and um, she lives here in Nashville, and I had talked to her about it, and she had done that before, and she suggested that I reach out and do it. And so, um, yeah, so when, when Nate, my boyfriend, and I visited here, I had an interview, and it went well, and he was like, yeah, sure, let's do it. So, so yeah, when we moved out here, I just kind of jumped right in with that. Incredible. He sounds like a great person to
0: just take on people. Like I know a lot of uh, people are kind of gun shy when it comes to apprenticeships or things like that, that you're teaching people like, uh, what do you want to call that? Like a
1: proprietary
0: blend or something that you can't share. But what was like some inspiration that you gained from him or something that you learned?
2: Well, definitely a lot of the tailoring techniques because, um, I hadn't done a whole lot of suit jackets at that time, but um, I had done some, but just like techniques that I wouldn't have known otherwise, and certain things like how to do the pockets on western shirts. Just like I was doing the one way, but then I learned new ways to do that kind of thing.
0: And was he sweet about it, or was he like, "Girl, you got to, you did this wrong"?
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, some of both
0: amazing that's exactly how i imagined it
2: (laughs) yeah yeah he's he's great he's such a character he's awesome i i really enjoyed my time there you know even though it's short it was good
1: well incredible so i'm wondering if you can walk us through kind of a handmade garment like what goes into the creation of
2: that piece yeah so uh, for me if it's a custom garment i start by just kind of discussing with the customer what they're looking for. And if they have any inspiration images, you know, that it's not necessary, but it's definitely helpful if they're taking inspiration from the past or if they have certain flowers that they want to incorporate or animals or something like that. And then, uh, then I have them fill out a measurement sheet so I can make sure to get the right fit and I'll sketch out the design of what I'm going to do. And then, uh, I have a lot of patterns that I've made in the past that I'll use, but I kind of adapt them for each person's measurements and cut out the fabric, do the embroidery, sew it all together and rhinestoning. If it has rhinestones and all of it's done in-house.
1: Amazing. And I've noticed too on a lot of your posts, you say you even go so far as to hand cut your own fringe or you're doing these really intricate cuts to make, um, like the edging. I didn't see thing. that. She hand, You hand cut fringe? What? Yeah. yeah, it's amazing.
2: Well, if it's leather fringe, um it could be that I could find a supplier that would do it for me. But sometimes it's just like, okay, I, I can't really find gold, genuine leather fringe out there. Like I've looked and it's just not really out there. So I can find gold leather. And if I need it to match other cutouts that I'm doing, you know, if I'm doing mm-hmm. those like ranch maid style ones, then it all needs to match and I just don't know if I can find it anywhere. So I just have to do it myself.
1: <laughs>
2: but You're it works. <laughs> <laughs> that's <laughs> amazing. That's, that's Thank what you.
1: that's what makes a, handmade or a custom garment so special, right? Because you are getting entirely unique pieces all coming together to make something that is so custom that you literally couldn't even buy the component parts somewhere else.
2: Yeah, definitely. And I do really love the personal aspect of custom garments for each customer, you know, like that could mean embroidering a wedding suit, which is really special and could incorporate uh, certain people who are important to them, favorite flowers, or just any kind of thing that's personal to them could be incorporated in the suit or for performers. It could be for their album cover or to go on tour that goes with the theme of their album. So yeah, it really, it could be anything. And I I love that personal element of it.
0: So as you're doing the measurements, I am wondering if your vintage patterns, do you find that those measurements are something you have to throw out the window for people of like
2: uh, this decade? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Somewhat. I mean, sizing means like nothing to me. So Mm -hmm. it's funny. I'm trying to compile a size chart, but it's like, I always go by the measurements because sizes, it could just be absolutely anything, you know? It means absolutely nothing, really. So, yeah, I mean, it it is, it's different in vintage patterns or modern patterns, but I've actually been working with a pattern maker to get some of my patterns graded to more inclusive sizing because Mm -hmm. I would love to have, like, really, really good patterns made by someone who knows, like, larger bodies very well. So so it's just something that's, like, off my plate that I really want to do more of, you know, just have those patterns really keyed in and perfect for those customers.
0: Abby's face has lit up. Mm-hmm. She has stepped up onto her soapbox. She, she is, is ready, ready to know, roll. So awesome. I did the
1: hear because I was so <laughs> excited because I think that's something that people don't always recognize when they're buying clothes. Like, you know, quote, unquote, your size at a certain store or through a certain brand, but so much more goes into like the fit of a garment than just the number size. Like it's all down to your measurements. And so much of having a good garment that you love and feel comfortable in is about the way it fits. Because the clothes And not the yeah. letter on like, the tag always say clothes should fit people. People shouldn't fit into their clothes.
2: Boom. Definitely. I love that so much. Mm.
1: We
0: should get T shirts that say that Wow.
2: <laughs>
0: wow. You heard it here first? <laughs> This is our
1: official <laughs> copyright. <laughs> I love it. So that is something too that you get from a custom garment that you don't necessarily find and ready to wear, right?
2: hmm Yeah, I mean I can I can do really any combination of sizes. It's not gonna be like really no two bodies are the same, you know? It even if you're the same size from a store it it'll fit different people completely differently. So Yeah. Yeah, that that sort of tailoring thing. Even even in making something to someone's measurements, like I work with people all across the country and across the world, but it really is nice to be able to have a fitting with them in person because then I can dial in the fit even further because you never know how it's actually going to hang on the body until you try it on.
0: We had a, uh, an instance of that. Um, <laughs> Abby has made me a lot of garments and I have scoliosis, so my lower spine is like crooked. And depending mm-hmm. on how long it's been since I've been to my uh, tri-weekly chiropractic appointment, um, and by that I mean not once every once every three weeks, not three times a week. I probably said that wrong.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but she made me these pants, and they were like to my measurements, right? And I was
1: it, so confident on the fit. I was so confident.
0: Like, we almost, I, I feel like we almost didn't even do a fitting, because you're like, well, yeah, I had this, like, we're good to go, and there was so much else going into the pants, that it was like, all right, you know, like, on to the next step, so I put these pants on, and, like, <laughs> they were the furthest thing from fitting.
1: They were so bad. They were so bad. <laughs> oh, no. Abby,
0: Abby almost cried. She might have cried, and... We, she took them all apart, I don't know, worked her magic, said bibbidi-bobbidi-boo.
1: I literally had, like, the front half of the pants and the back half, and I made her stand there very still, (laughs) spread eagle, as I, like, pinned them in the right places. (laughs)
0: Yeah, and we looked at the garment afterwards, and my inseam, like, the, like, the,
1: like, where the two crotch seams line up,
0: wasn't, like, a half inch off.
1: Close to, yeah, between a quarter and a half inch. And I was going oh. in, and I thought to myself, this
2: cannot be right. But she tried them on, and they fit like a glove. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And that's, that's on so Club interesting. In <laughs>
1: yes. Yeah, yeah. And I've
0: worn, <laughs> I've worn normal pants my whole life, so I don't know what that says about me. Um, but, yeah, so <laughs> season one of the podcast, we talked to all makers, which you certainly fit in that category as well. Um, and, but most of those people, I would say all of those people hated custom. It was like the bane of their existence. Like, I don't do custom. I don't do custom. <laughs> but then you are like, what percentage would you say you do custom versus ready to made
2: garment? Well, it's, it's really been a lot of customs because, I mean, they keep me busy. Like people want customs and then I, I get them on the books and I do every once in a while just make something if i have fabric that's inspiring me and i'm like waiting on fabric for a specific customer to come in but um i don't know right now it's probably like 90 percent custom wow wow and what would you yeah
1: what is the benefit or for you like why do you enjoy doing customs or why are you doing so many customs
2: uh i think that with this type of western wear like people they want a custom for like a special occasion or just for have a reason to get something made for them you know definitely doesn't have to be a special occasion but um I don't know I mean I do think I could do well with ready to wear too, but I just don't really have the capability to make that much inventory at this time Mm -hmm. it's something I'm working on but I mean I love my custom clients you know it's it's great working with them so so I enjoy it for now for sure if you're gonna go all out go all
0: out man
2: yeah Definitely.
0: If you want a oh, moose oh, you on your yoke, get a moose okay. on your yoke.
1: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so we were just talking about this, too, um, last week when we had Jen from a shop from the past on about mm-hmm. investing in certain items and investing in items that you love and are quality and are going to care for for years to come. So can you tell us yes. a little more about quality when it comes to
2: handmade items
1: and what you're getting that you won't find in a ready-to-wear garment that you won't find off the rack.
2: Yeah, well, um, definitely the construction techniques are really important. Um, Like a lot of my garments, I do French seams, which is just, it has a much nicer finish inside than like serged edges, you know. I do use the overlock machine on certain things because it just makes more sense, but whenever I can do a nicer finish on something that is important to me and fabric choice, you know, it's I want something that is durable and looks nice and isn't flimsy or anything. Cause that's not going to be easy to work with even or hold up over time. So yeah, I mean, if I'm, if I'm working with each person on their, specific order I don't have to worry about like buying in bulk and like buying some kind of fabric that's going to be cheaper just so I can get a good deal on it or something Mm -hmm. but yeah but I mean it's really sad a lot of fast fashion brands you know their workers are underpaid and the working conditions aren't great so a lot of what people are paying for in slow fashion is just like a good working condition for a maker you know it's like yeah. And, and I think people are willing to they're as they're realizing that they're more willing to make these investment purchases. And if it's something really special, then, yeah, they'll want to hang on to it for longer and take care of it, even if it is a little bit pricier. Yeah.
0: Well, and I've recently you know the weather's starting to change here a little bit in the old midwest and so I was pulling out some (laughs) sweaters and I'm like dude I remember a day when I would want just like every sweater I could find um just to like Mm -hmm. have it you know and it's like impulse buy after impulse buy versus now like honestly after meeting Abby again I've known you for 12,000 years but (laughs) like meeting you as you are now in your adult life and it And passionate and inspired about like people having wardrobes that are more ethical that I'm like wouldn't Mm -hmm. I rather have like three or four that I really love that I could style in like 20 different ways and that they're going to hold up season after season versus like what we were talking about um on last week's episodes with like your plastics being in these clothes and it's like going into our washing machines and our oceans and it's just like this whole this whole deal that I think a lot of consumers just weren't aware of maybe up until this point
2: yeah definitely yeah i've i'm definitely not an expert on any of the statistics but i saw an infographic on instagram which don't quote me on this because i'm just repeating it but um (laughs) yeah it. i saw something that said on average a garment is worn seven times before it's thrown out and i was just absolutely horrified by that oh my gosh and i mean that's not like I love thrifting and I regularly wear things that I've had for like 10 years. So it really blows my mind, but, um, I'm I'm just always glad that there are a lot of people who are similarly horrified by that. (laughs) And I hope we can all work to change that because that's not good.
0: No, it's so scary. And that's again, like as a consumer, it becomes your responsibility to just make better choices and going back to the fair wage thing. Um, how many hours would you say you put into a piece? That's
2: a good question. <laughs> <laughs> You're um, like in my calculator. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I mean, oftentimes more than eight hours. You know, like maybe even sixteen. Hours. It really depends on what kind of garment we're talking. But mm-hmm. yeah, I mean. Sometimes the shirt will take several days of work. So, you know, it's not going to be, I can't charge what H&M would charge because I have to pay my bills if it takes me several days to make something. Right.
0: You're not outsourcing that to somebody who's being horribly exploited for their work. Right. hmm
1: Oh, God. It, like, hurts <laughs> my gut. I could Angela spiraling right now. Oh, uh,
0: so sad, man. So sad. Yeah. when
1: it comes to, it's easier to see it when we buy custom items. Like, we have a um, focus on, like, where we're spending our money and how we're spending our money. And so, a custom item, we're willing to pay more for it because, like, it is so unique. Um, but I think that's, like, also something important to keep in mind when we spend our money anywhere that... Like money money talks and it indicates what we value and where we value it and mm. literally how much we value it yeah mm. <laughs> and
0: don't push your maker money. either to get yeah. shit done in like a day and a half they
1: are artists
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's true <laughs> the
1: other things I'm like you know someone doing custom work does deserve to be paid accordingly for that because there you didn't you obviously didn't just learn this overnight and even though maybe it doesn't take as many hours like one piece doesn't take as many hours as another piece but you still put in years of legwork to get to this point
2: right that's such a good point hmm I love that oh shit I'm like I'm ready to go to
0: a rally right now I'm fired up yeah um, so I have to ask, how far are you booked out right now? If somebody were to hear this and be like, Oh my gosh, I'm ready, give me that inspired suit, um, how far out would they um, wait? To wait?
2: <laughs> well, I'm I'm booking for like January right now. So oh, that's not bad. I don't know how many months went Yeah. January February. I mean maybe if I really took a look at it I should probably be saying February, but yeah. <laughs> that's about what we're looking at right now.
0: And what's the process like if somebody wants to order a garment from you?
2: Um, they could just email me at jukeboxmamadesigns at gmail.com. And we can go back and forth a little bit because everything's different, you know, what mm-hmm. they're looking for. And I do usually have a couple of options for people in different price points. Mm-hmm. Like, um, like if someone wants. A suit that they can't afford, like a fully custom suit, then I can work with them on sourcing a vintage one and embroidering that and rhinestoning it and stuff. So um, that's a lot less work than a fully custom suit. So it's a slightly lower price point and stuff like that. So
1: I want to wow. work with my
2: customers because I, I get it that it's like, you know, I want it to be accessible to people while still uh, being sustainable for me as well.
0: I mm. love it. And I have to imagine you've made yourself some pretty amazing things over the years. Um, I have to ask, what is your favorite vintage piece that you have found and what's your favorite piece that you have created?
2: Those are very good questions. Let's see. Um... <laughs> we'll give you a minute. to so favorite... look. <laughs> <laughs> well, my favorite vintage piece, I would say is, it's like a, it's a vintage from the, 40 to 50s ranch made fringe, leather fringe shirt. Like it's a burnt orange fabric. And then Ooh. it has the cream colored cutouts and fringe. And um, I do work kind of inspired by that because I just love that style so much. But it's it's nice. It's definitely my most treasured shirt. <laughs> and then let's see. My favorite one that I've made uh Well, one that I really loved, I made a couple years ago. It's like a circle skirt that has a spider web embroidered on the whole entire thing. Oh, and wow. I made it for Halloween, but it, it's just, it's really fun. No, <laughs> it was I one of my earlier experimentations awesome. with webs, but I do a lot
0: of webs now. So oh, cool. I was seeing that on your website, the little web um bandana or stock tie. I don't remember what it was. Oh,
2: oh,
0: yeah. yeah, yeah. He was cute. He was for really awesome. cute. Yeah. <laughs> So speaking Thanks. of the website, where can the people web. find you? The Sorry. web. <laughs> so uh,
2: yeah, I have a website. <laughs> it's just jukeboxmama.com. And then, yeah, I have a, I have a shop there with uh, not a whole lot of stuff, but there's a couple of ready-to-wear things and definitely a lot of T-shirts and accessories and stuff like that. But for custom work, you can just get in contact with me through email.
1: Beautiful,
2: and you're Which also is. on Instagram, that's the same, Jukebox yeah. Mama. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. on Instagram,
1: it's jukebox.mama. Jukebox.mama. And, and that's, that's mama. mama with one M. M-A-M-A, yeah.
2: the,
0: the Illinoisan spelling of mama. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, everyone, if you have not checked out Siri's work yet, make sure you do that. Yeah. Jump on over to Instagram, Mama. The stuff is amazing, and when you see it, you will absolutely want to go to her website and reach out to her, because I think about it all the time. Yep. Right. Definitely. <laughs> sure. sure Siri, thank you so much for being on here with us today and talking about a little bit of everything.
2: A little bit of everything. That's yeah. a way to put it. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. This was a lot of fun talking to you, too.
0: Oh, I love it. Well, thank you all so much for tuning in and listening today as we talk to Sari from Jukebox Mama, Jukebox Mama. Mama. (laughs) We will see you all next week.